0: What's up, Freedom House? Good Y'all look morning. wonderful today. We also want to welcome all of our live streamers, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Idaho, bet you it's cold there, Germany, France, Uganda, the Czechoslovakia. Chechia. Chechnya. Chechnya. Chechnya.
1: Chechnya.
0: They, they spelt it wrong up there. I know, but I just Chechnya. know that's a country. Chechn- you have some friends there that are yes. watching? Hey, friends, how you doing?
1: Columbia, North you. Carolina. And
0: Columbia. And so let's give it up for all of our live streamers. So glad that you decided to join us. My name's Troy. This is my beautiful bride, yes. Penny Jean Maxwell. So glad Except to be with that's you not today. My name, that's Used to okay. be your name. Yes <laughs> until you married me, which is a great transition because that's what we're going to be talking about today is uh, we're gonna spend some time. We've been in a series called Crash Test Dummies, talking about all kinds of different relationships. And uh, we've covered a lot of different things over the last month. We've talked about how to find your friends. We've talked about communication. We've talked about conflict. And today, we're gonna kinda dig into the married life, the single life a little bit. And last night, we had an awesome time. We remarried, right? Wouldn't that be sick? You could just say We did a
1: vow renewal. We did a
0: vow renewal. We, um, they, they did, they said, I do again. And uh, we had people. Do. I still do. They said. They said I still do. And so we had people that had been married for three years said I still do. We had people that had been married forty three years that said I still do. And it was a great time last yeah, night. Yeah,
1: we had cake and everything That's afterwards, right. so it was amazing.
0: That's right. And so I took them through some vows. I wanted to share the vows with you that I took them through. Um, thought, I thought Y'all you might enjoy these vows. He's lying. Um, so these are the vows that we went through with them last night. Here's what it says. It says, uh, this is what I told them. That they, they said this out loud to everybody. It says, I do solemnly swear to take you as my lifelong patient, to bandage and to medicate you as long as we both shall live. I will love you for richer or for poorer, or for better or for worse, in sickness and in sickness, because you are one sick puppy. And I do not see you getting well anytime, too anytime soon, although I am hoping for some improvement today. Come and look at your neighbor and say, yes, Lord.
1: Yes, Lord.
0: I realize the pretty clothes you are wearing today on our wedding day are rented and will be returned. You will probably never look this good again. So we are taking many pictures to preserve this rare moment. I also understand that reality is waiting for me at our hotel room. And tomorrow, your morning breath will announce the dawn of our lifelong journey together. The harsh morning light will reveal the real you. Yet in spite of all this, I love you with all my heart and wholly commit myself to this marriage until death do us part. So help me God, because I will need all the help I can get. And so they, they said that last night and uh, it was a great night. So we expect- Y'all believe him. We had a good time last night. So let's dig in, honey. Let's talk about this. We're going to
1: dig in. And for those of you who do not know us, um, we are very real. We're very raw. And we just feel like that that's what changes lives. Getting up here and pretending like life is perfect or that we don't have issues or that you don't have issues or all of you who are live streaming that you don't have issues is not real. So uh, what I wanted to start off by doing is just give you some real facts because We have been together for 31 years, married 28 of those years, and we've been passed Almost 28, it'll
0: be 28 this year.
1: Yes, 28 this year. September. Yes, well girls round up. Okay. Unless we're telling you how much we spent, then we round down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now I know. know. (laughs)
1: Um, And it was always on sale. But uh, what, we, what we wanted to do, we've, we've been pastoring a long time, and there is nothing new that is happening in relationships. The same things that are causing people to stumble today are the same things that have been causing people to stumble for decades. Um, and what you actually see is you see a breakdown in marriage. And I wanted to, for those of you who like statistics, I wanted to give you some statistics for where things are right now because God says that marriage is his plan. So if marriage is his plan, why are so many marriages ending up in ditches? You know, they start off on the right path and they end up on a collision course. What is going on? What is the problem? Um, The divorce rates right now are around 50%. 50%. They say that um, marriages, first-time marriages, they're ending around the eight-year mark. Um, Also, marriages that make it, they say, 40 years, the divorce rate uh, for a a first-time married couple uh, over the span of 40 years is actually 67%. For couples that this is your second marriage, um, the average divorce rate is, help me, babe, 60%. For couples that have been married three times, this is their third marriage, it's in the 73% range. So there is a lot that is going on with marriages, and it would seem like, even though God says it's plan A, To our natural eye, it would seem like something to avoid or something to stay away from, because check this out. Every 13 seconds, somebody gets divorced. Let's just take that stat and play it on out. That means 277 divorces per hour, 46,523 divorces per week, 2,419,196 2,419,196 divorces per year. So if this is God's plan and marriage is supposed to be a good thing, why does it seem like so many people are crashing. We've talked about the problem, but what is happening? What is going on?
0: Yeah, so if you hear that, I mean, I'll be sitting here going, if I'm single, like, well, forget that. I'm never going to get married. But you, marriage is a great thing. and But it requires work. It requires effort. It's like when you buy a car, you know, you you, you change the oil in the car. You rotate the tires. I mean, you don't have to do that. But I can promise you, if you don't do that, your car's going to wear out really fast. And what happens in marriages is a lot of families, a lot of couples don't do the necessary maintenance maintenance on their relationship on on, on a daily basis, on a daily basis, a weekly basis. And they end up going, well, I'll just give this one to the junkyard. I'll trade it in for a new one. And when all it, it
1: needed was a gas yeah, so, tank fill up. That's
0: right. And, and so the check engine light came on. If your check engine light comes on, you take it to the shop. And so some of us are sitting here today and our check engine light is on. And it doesn't mean we just need to go and trade in another one because here's what happens. What happens is you just trade in for the dysfunction that you have right now. You just exchange for another dysfunctional relationship. That you don't know about That you yet. don't know about. And so many people are struggling in marriage not because marriage isn't a good thing, but they just aren't looking at the owner, owner's manual. And for us... I truly believe that the owner's manual is the Bible. I, don't, I think it would be very, very difficult uh, and really almost impossible to survive without Jesus being the center of your marriage. You won't. Um, you won't survive. It's very, very challenging. I haven't met any couples. I, I can't, I'm just racking my brain right now. I have not met, met a couple who haven't have God as the center of their relationship been together for a long time. Hosea 4.6 Hosea says, people, my people, God's people, God's, God's family are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so marriage is, is not successful because you don't have problems, okay? You know, Penny and I, we worked on this message together, and we've been in intense fellowship all week. And so
1: wait, wait. Do you know what intense fellowship is? That's
0: Christian for argument. It's
1: Christian speak for arguing. That's
0: right. That's right.
1: Just so you know, that's it just right. makes it sound and a little
0: nicer. It sounds a little nicer. Yeah. So it's not because there's the absence of problems. It's be it's marriage is successful because you have to have the ability to overcome those problems, the ability to weather those storms.
1: And I think Part of the reason that you see all the crashes that you're seeing is because we don't understand in marriage what a covenant is. Now, a covenant is a binding agreement. It is actually bound by blood. And I'm going to explain that a little bit deeper because you see covenant all throughout the Bible. You see it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Every single thing that God does God does through his covenant relationship. The Old Testament is called the Old Covenant. The New Testament is called the New Covenant. So everything you see God doing is always done through a covenant. And when you see a covenant enacted in the Bible or or anywhere else, there is always the shedding of blood that is involved. The word covenant actually means when you go and you, uh, if you were to look this up in the Hebrew, the word covenant means to cut. It means to cut. When you see Abraham and God entering into this binding, unbreakable agreement in the Bible, you see where there is the shedding of blood. You see Abraham where he has to sacrifice bulls and goats and animals. And it says that God comes and passes through the sacrifice. And the two make a pact that is unbreakable. It is a binding pact that is till death do us part. And in in other words, until Abraham was gone because God has longevity. God does not die. You also see um, in the Bible where Moses enacted a covenant with God, and that looked like Moses actually being circumcised. He had his shedding of blood, and that was him entering into a covenant with God. You see, the same thing happened all through the Old Testament. You see where there was the shedding of blood through bulls, through goats, through animals, because that is how people got cleansed from their sin. You don't see people still sacrificing bulls and goats and animals today because Jesus made a covenant with us, a New Testament covenant, and when he shed his blood on the cross, it didn't just cover our sin like the old testament did it washed away our sin which is why when we accept that blood covenant into our life that becomes a covenant that we engage in and we get the benefits from and it washes over our life and makes us clean, so we don't still um, enact covenants to to get to God. That's already been established, and it's freely available, waiting for us through the shed blood of Jesus. And let's talk about the marriage covenant. Um, for those of you who didn't go to the justice of the peace, who actually went and had all your bridesmaids, your groomsmen, the ceremony. For those of you who do not know, every single piece of that ceremony is actually part of the covenant process. But even during a marriage ceremony, at the end, when you go and consummate your marriage to virgins, that is a sign of the covenant where blood is shed. That's why I feel like it's so important for us to educate people spiritually. Um, The world doesn't talk about sex the way the church does and sometimes the church could shy away from that they're like what talk about sex in church why wouldn't you god made it and god knows how it should be established
0: and it's good
1: and it's good thank you for that
0: come on amen so, there people say amen amen yes, lord
1: so what happens is a lot of time you're getting all the men in here all sidetracked and, and some of the live streaming men stopped watching no, they stopped the watching. Covenant. They're I'm like...
0: explaining explain a covenant.
1: Okay. So that's why it's important when we're talking to young people and we're talking to teenagers, we don't just say, don't Stop. do that. Stop it. Stop. You're not supposed to do that. Because what are teenagers going to do if you tell them no? They're going to do it anyway. But if they understand what they are doing... That they are actually going into a covenant with someone. That is why sometimes it's hard to get those old relationships out of our lives. Because we establish covenants with people that we should not have. And so we've got to get back to the word of that's God. That's right. That's
0: right. When you, think of, when you think of blood, when you think of covenant, you have to think of death. Because that's really what it is. Is the whole leading up to the ceremony is your death to independent living. And so when you get married, you are dying to yourself to become one together. And that's what Jesus did. When and it he, hurts. And, and it hurts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a continual thing. You just keep dying and dying and dying and dying and dying. And then when you have kids, you die again. And every kid after that, you just keep dying. So here's, here's what Jesus said. Y'all know I'm talking am I'm telling the truth. I mean, that's the truth about it. And what you're dying to your independent self because it's no longer about you. And this is what covenant is all about, is it's no longer about me. It's about us. It's about the one relationship that we have now together. And so now I am not independent Troy. I am Penny and Troy. That what I do to myself hurts her. What I do to her hurts me. Let me say that again because that's really key. What I do to her hurts me, and what I do to myself hurts us together. And so I've got to recognize that. So if I'm talking bad to her, I'm really talking bad to me. If I'm putting her down, I'm really putting myself down. If I hurt her, I'm really hurting myself. And so here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19. And what he's doing is he's re-quoting what God said in Genesis, bringing this whole thing back together in regards to marriage. He says, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. That's a real important part. Culture's challenging that right now. That marriage can be between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And that's not, that is not biblical. That is not biblical.
1: Everything that God does produces fruit.
0: Absolutely. Two
1: men cannot produce fruit. God did Multiple. what God did by establishing marriage because God knew there was seed to come. Right. Everything that God does is for a purpose. That's
0: right. And so He says, "This explains why a man leaves a father, his father and mother, and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one." Everybody say one. One. Since they are no longer two but one, let not let no one split apart what God has joined together. So here, here's here's kind of where we need to make sure that we make the transition is because we want covenant benefits with a contract mentality. Okay, and so this is what happens with single people. Single people enter into a relationship pre-marriage wanting covenant benefits with a contract mentality. So they don't enter into, they don't put a ring on it, like Beyonce said, because I want the benefits of the covenant without the responsibility of marriage. Okay, and so don't do that to yourself, ladies. Don't do that to yourself, men. Um, recognize you're the, more
1: valuable than that.
0: Recognize the value of the covenant, that it's not a contract. So, what's the difference between a contract and a covenant? I'm so glad you asked me that. So, I'm going to explain it to you. A contract is I'm committed until you do something that I don't like, and then I can just end the contract.
1: Well, peace out. And that's
0: why. And that's the way contracts are written. Contracts are written in a way that basically gives you an out if somebody does something wrong. It's based on the action of the other person. I'm entering the contract as long as you do this. As long as you don't do this. Well, a covenant is until death do us part, okay? It's built on the relationship with God at the center of relationship. So what that means is I'm so committed to God that I'm gonna be committed to you. I'm so committed to Jesus that I'm committed to you. Because of my faith in Jesus and what he did for me at Calvary, I'm committed to you and dying to myself on a daily basis to be closer as one. Okay, so what's the difference between a contract and a covenant? And you can you know, jump in here and ask questions around this as well. So a contract is a common legal document regulated by the state. A covenant is a moral A a sacred moral agreement overseen by God. It's overseen by God. A contract is based upon mistrust between two people. So every contract that you have, your mortgage company has a contract with you. Why? Because if you don't pay, they they don't stay. That's right. (laughs) They kick you out of the house. And who gets the house? They do. You don't. And it's all built around that. So they give you 30 days to pay the mortgage. If you don't pay that at the end of those 30 days, you don't pay the mortgage, then guess what? You're not going to have a house anymore. And it's built around that. The whole contract is built that way. That's what a prenup is. A prenup is assuming you're going to leave. So I'm going to put myself in a position where I'm going to tell you in advance, listen, if you leave, you ain't getting none of my stuff. Okay, so my stuff is my stuff. Your stuff is your stuff. And that's not covenant. Covenant. Covenant is my stuff is her stuff and her stuff is her stuff. <laughs> right, men? Isn't that the way it works? Is that, is that right? Penny, is that how it works? Is that a covenant? That's how
1: it works in my house. All right.
0: I just want to make sure. <laughs> no, what that means is we don't have separate checking accounts. We don't have separate banking accounts. We are one all the way down through. Okay? You say, well, well this is my money. Okay, you haven't died yet. <laughs> I work for my money. You haven't died yet. Okay, to the point when you die to yourself is when you get in reality that, that we're one. Your so, debt
1: is now their our debt. Our debt. Our debt.
0: Yeah. Okay. You owe that money. I'm not going to have to pay that stuff. Okay, okay, time Those out.
1: are your student loans, not That's mine.
0: A, now, now, again, you're going back to a contract mentality, and you want covenant benefits. All right, so, so a covenant is based upon trust between two people. It's the connection between us. A, a contract is written to create limited liability. All right, so I want to be as limited in my liability as possible, so I'm going to create this contract so I can get out of it anytime I, I want to based on your action. A covenant is accepted to embrace unlimited responsibility. Meaning that the relationship is not based upon her actions, it's based upon my actions regardless of the way she acts. Regardless of what she does, I am responsible to honor the covenant. Now that is a huge thing in marriage because most of the counseling appointments we get into is it's all his fault or it's all her fault. That's why we typically never counsel people alone in marriage. Like we won't counsel the husband and the wife separately because we get two different stories. And everybody knows that there's really three stories. Yours, mine, and the truth. And so that's the way it works. Y'all, y'all are good. So, and here's, here's two more things. A contract is embedded with opt-out or termination clauses. And a covenant is intended to be permanent. It's forever. Meaning that divorce is not an option.
1: It's not, not even a word it's we not even even allow in our Right, we just got to get rid of that. Yeah, what happens is, um, this, this can easily happen, is when you're hurt or you're frustrated uh, and you're wanting things to get resolved, you resort to a manipulation tactic, which is, well, maybe we should get divorced. What you're trying to do is get that person to help you fix the situation, but you're saying it in a threatening way. Uh, and what you do is you actually erode away at your relationship because now you've put that seed in there and every single time uh, that person in the back of their mind is wondering, are, are they going to try to leave? And I can tell you uh, one of the biggest things that will damage a relationship is when you start breaking trust by saying that because what you're doing is saying, I'm always looking for an out. I've always, I'm always scouting for your performance. And if your performance isn't the way that I need it to be, I'm going to peace out. And it destroys relationships. Let the D word be the the most horrible word you could ever say out of your mouth and forbid it to come out of your mouth.
0: That's right. So um, tell us a little bit more what Malachi says.
1: Um, I just, I want to, I wrote this down. I want to say this real quick. Um, A contract says what's in it for me, while a covenant says what can I sacrifice for the sake of of the other i like
0: that word sacrifice That's a hard word sacrifice is really really difficult but it's the glue that keeps you together realizing that we are both committed to sacrifice now i know what you're thinking because all couples think this well what if she doesn't do it what if he doesn't do it that is again a contract mentality because you're basing your responsibility on their responsibility on their actions. You're basically saying, well, I'm not gonna do it unless they do it. Okay, that's not a covenant. A covenant says, I'm going to do it regardless of the way that you respond to me. Regardless how I... Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, what if they never change? That's not your responsibility, that's God's. And if you trust God, who is the center of the relationship, this is why it's so, so important, guys, to make sure that you don't date, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, do not get connected with somebody who is an unbeliever. Let me say that one more time because I didn't get a resounding amen to that. <laughs> because I want you to make this very clear because this is, this is where problems enter in is when we think that we can get them saved. We can okay? change We them. can change them. You can't that's not even your responsibility. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility. And if somebody doesn't even believe in the Holy Spirit, how are they gonna change? And so you get into a relationship, well, they're cute, he's got pretty, pretty green eyes, and he takes me to dinner, and he's got money, and he's got a job. He's the first one I've met that has a job <laughs> in years. And, and, but, you know, and I, don't, I know, Pastor, I know, but he's really good. He's a really nice person. When was the last time he came to church? Well, I'm trying to get him here. No, you need to tell him, you don't come to church. We don't get right with God. I ain't the one for you. I know you say, you say that's really strong. No, it will help you with lots of heartache five years from now. Because when you have kids and you have to decide, make those decisions, and he starts to buck against it because he's going to do everything he can, everything he can to make you, make you think that he's the right one, and, but if that, that, is, that has to be a deal breaker for you ladies. has to be a deal breaker for you men.
1: Yeah. Malachi 2, uh, 13, it says, And here's the second offense. You fill the place of worship with your whining and sniveling because you don't get what you want from God. Do you know why? Simple because God was there as a witness when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride and now you've broken those vows you've broken those faith that you broken the faith bond with your vowed companion your covenant wife God not you made marriage His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage and what does he want from marriage children of God that's what so guard the spirit of marriage within you. Don't cheat on your spouse. I can't make it any more plain than Jesus just did, than God just did right there.
0: <laughs> so I was talking to a friend of mine um, last year, and we were talking about they live in California, and, and they like to go to Napa Valley and visit the vineyards. They're a real big one, connoisseurs and all that stuff. And so he was telling me some stories about visiting these vineyards and I thought this was very interesting because it really ties into marriages. And so he went to this small vineyard and, and the husband and wife were there and and they had been married for fifty-two years. And the husband brought out this wine, this Pinot Noir. I don't know anything about wine, but Pinot Noir and, and this Chardonnay. And he said, this one's named Denise because that's the, my wife's name. And then they went to the, they've married for 52 years. And they go to the next vineyard and another small vineyard. And these two couple comes out and they're in their 60s and they've been married for 48 years. And then they go to the next vineyard and they've been married for 58 years. And, and they started to see this pattern of all these vineyard owners and every couple had been married for over 50, 45 plus years, some up to almost 60 years of In marriage. In California. In California. <laughs> and so they went to the last one, the last vineyard. And, and th- this couple had been married, I think, 56 years. And they started to see this trend. And the, the, the couple brought out this this special wine that had been waiting around since 2014. It was 2019. They brought us this wine. You're going to really enjoy this one. This is a 2014 whatever. And and so they started asking, my friend asked the question, well, what makes this wine so good? Oh, well, 2014 was a really bad year. And he's like, what do you mean it was a bad year? Why would a bad year make a good wine? And he said, well, that year, what happened in 2014? And they said, well, in the vineyard, there was a cold snap. And he goes, well, what what happened as a result of the cold snap? Well, the grapes that lasted were the ones who who had a thick skin. They created this hard shell around the grape juice and around the grape insides. Also, that year, right after the cold snap, was a severe drought, very bad drought. And when a drought happens, the roots of the vines have to go down deeper in order to get the water that's necessary to feed the grapes. And, And immediately... He realized why these marriages have lasted because wine owners, these vineyard owners, know that you're going to have a bad year. Sometimes you're going to go through a cold snap. Sometimes you're going to face a drought in your marriage. But if you can just last another five years... If you can just last another year, if you can just make Keep it on through going. that challenging, Keep if you on can going. just get, if you can just make it. And these, these vineyard owners know that you're gonna have a hard times, you're gonna have challenging times, but if you can just make it through, just weather it. Can I just challenge you couples? Weather your storm. Make it through. Whatever you're dealing with, let God get involved in your relationship. And no matter what drought you may feel, no matter what cold snap may be happening in your marriage, just develop that thick skin, dig down a little deeper, and watch God do some tremendous things.
1: Because when you go through Amen. Hard Come on, give seasons. Jesus a big hand
0: clap. Yeah.
1: When you go through hard seasons and you weather it, the juice is so sweet. But you got to get through to the other side. There is not one couple who has been married for any length of time that couldn't tell you about difficult times that they had in their marriage. It's not that we don't go through difficult times. It's we know how to endure during the drought or during the cold snaps. In Hebrews 9.17, it says, For a covenant is valid only when men are dead, for it is never in force while the one who made it lives. That is what Jesus literally and figuratively did for us. And it's what Pastor Troy is saying, that when we enter into a covenant with our spouse, that we have to do, we literally have to die to independent living. And if we don't, we are going to struggle the entire existence of our marriage. Because we want it our way, our rights, we're right, and some of our personalities are are very stubborn, and that's something God is going to have to work on, because our marriage should be that we are preferring each other above ourselves, that we're always thinking about, well, what does he want? What does he need? What does he? And when we each have that mentality, the marriage has nothing to do but grow and be successful. And I want to give so you so what's just the a, secret?
0: Yeah, give just us a the simple secret.
1: formula. Simple formula. I love this. Realistic. You're so good at this,
0: honey. You're the best.
1: Realistic expectation (laughs) plus relationship skills equal guaranteed success. This is the formula we have been trying to give you the entire month. I'm going to say it again. Realistic expectations. What I mean by that is husbands, your wife is not a spiritual Stepford wife. She is not a born-again Betty Crocker. She is not like just supposed to you know, be there wrapped in saran wrap holding your dinner when she gets home and like ready to rumble. Like that is not always realistic. There are realistic expectations. In the same way, um, wives, your husband is not Jesus Jr. He cannot fix every hole in your heart and in your life and every wound you have. And when we put unrealistic expectations on our spouse, and and this is why pornography is so damaging, because pornography easily allows um, unrealistic expectations into a marriage because that woman that you're seeing is not one you're engaging with every day. You don't have to attach to her emotionally. And you see things that are playing out and why people are gravitating to certain things. But this formula realistic expectations, relationship skills equals guaranteed success.
0: That's right. It's pretty easy. I'll just break it down to you this way. Ladies, um, I know that it's, we're simple men, right, men? We're very simple, very easy. And I know that, and I just want to help you guys, help you ladies. We, we,
1: I'm waiting for we, it.
0: We know it's going to take a lifetime to learn you, and we probably never will. You know, God put us to sleep when you were made. <laughs> we were asleep, so that's our excuse that we just don't understand.
1: But now that, now that we're now, made, you can awake. Yep, so,
0: now, right, that's right. And so, Wake up. We want to learn all of the necessary things, the list. I hear
1: another shoe getting ready to drop. No,
0: I'm just making it simple. But there's really just two things a man wants. Okay, if you'll just show up naked with a ham sandwich. (laughs) Men. That's all it takes. I'm just saying. Realistic expectations. Relationship.
1: Is that true, man? Raise your hand if that's true.
0: <laughs> Jesus. I told you. <laughs> Wait,
1: I saw one that didn't raise his hand. So he's you not married. To, you he's not married. Or he's
0: lying. <laughs> No, the truth is, the truth is, just trying to be funny, but the truth is, is we typically marry to our emotional health.
1: Oh, no question. And,
0: and what, what, the reason why God does that, there's the reason why that is because it's my job and her job to help each other grow up in our relationship. And so she is meant to help me grow up. I've said this before, marriage is not meant to make you happy. It's meant to help you grow up. And so you'll be happy. I mean, there's the happy times. You're going to have a great... When, when, when you're when
1: immature When you're immature.
0: And so we work this out. And it's a constant thing. We've been married almost 28 years, rounding up. And so we... we, we see, I listen. And so, so... But she has helped me develop my EQ, helped me with my emotional weaknesses, helped me because she's a healer. Women are healers. They have the ability to emotionally heal and help. Whatever they take, they grow. They are, they are like the, a fertile field. And so that's why it's so important, men, to make sure what you're giving them And so, uh, and maybe you can just explain this because the number one need of a woman is... Is for security. Security. So
1: let me tell you this, men. um, If there's something that you know needs to be planted in your wife, maybe you see insecurity in her. Maybe she's going through depression and she's not waking up in the mornings when she should... Or um, maybe she's struggling with her identity, or you know, maybe she's getting in a rut in some area of her life. The best thing that you can do for her is to speak life into her and call out of her what you want to see. I had a friend of mine who um, just a beautiful woman, but she dealt with a lot of insecurities. And I watched her husband literally speak words of life over her, not pick apart the fact that she was uh, struggling with insecurity. But he began to say to her, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. God has put so many gifts and talents in you. I am so thankful that of all the women in the world, you are my wife. And he literally just sowed seeds into her. Because whatever you plant in women, we grow it. We're like a garden. We grow it. You, you, you give us a seed, nine months later, we give you a baby, right? You give us a rib, right? We're receivers, and, and we give you a body. That's what happens. And so it's so important in our relationships, whatever you're needing from your spouse, you start speaking it into existence and planting those seeds, not, like, not just, okay, really? What time did you wake up today? Are, are we going to wear sweatpants all day today? Why, why are you so insecure? What's going No, no, no. You speak life into her, and you watch her come alive.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. So the role, that's really good. And the role of the husband is, is to help her mature in God, protect her. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. I love what the Bible says in Ephesians 5. It says, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died for her. And our job is to nourish and cherish it, and so um, and and so explain to, to everyone what the role of the wife is in regards to helping the husband. What does that look like? So,
1: it literally in Genesis, when we're, we were created, we were created as the helper, and some women look at that as less than. It's actually not. Um, the, the, the best way I know how to explain it is we have beams that hold up this building and the ceiling is the covering But the beams are what hold the ceiling up. So it's not a weak stance or a weak position but my job the way God created me is to stand alongside my husband and assist him in Anything that I possibly can and in doing so our union our marriage our oneness um, becomes a gift to the world. We're able to do what we do because we both believe in each other. We both encourage each other. And we don't always get it right. And when we don't get it right, we've got to come back and figure out what's broken. Because neither one of us came from families that communicated, that were healthy. So we've had to learn this stuff. I don't want you to think, oh, well, y'all, y'all just already know this stuff because this is stuff you just, your families of origin. We None of it.
0: We We both have have lots of divorce in our family. Eight marriages
1: just between my mother and father. Eight. Lots of infidelity going on. Um, Both of our fathers died of alcoholism, um, drug addiction. Uh, You name it, it's been in our family. But we had to decide that all of those things that transpired, we are no longer going to pass down in our bloodline. It stops. That's
0: right. Then you have to decide the same thing. You've got to make a decision that you're going to draw a line in the sand and go, I- I'm not going to allow this generational thing to break down our family anymore. I'm going to stop it right here. And the best way you stop it is through covenant is recognizing that God that Jesus has to be the center of it and he desires to be that and when we allow him and so you know when when we meet that security need in our wives then she meets that honor need that we have because all men want to receive we want to feel honored and respected and in order and here's how you get love and respect here's here's how you get respect men you love your wife you give her security you encourage her you don't put her down You don't talk negative. Look, if things aren't going well, take a break. There's nothing wrong with taking a break in the sense of, look, go to the other side of the house. You go to one side, she goes to the other side. We do this all the time. We get to a point where we just need to take a break. We do. We call it a strife break. We're just gonna take a strife break. You go on over there and pray. I'm gonna go over here and pray. And then we get back together. And, And sometimes it takes an hour. Sometimes it takes four or five hours. But we get back together and we work it out. You know, because we're in this for the long haul. We, we're in this forever. And when, you,
1: when you don't make an escape plan, when you know this is option A and there only is option A, it's amazing how you'll sit down and you'll work things out. When you're not always looking for, well, how can I exit? Because, see, that's what a contract does. When somebody doesn't want to be in a contract anymore, they start reading through the contract trying to find the loopholes. If you just decide I entered into a covenant and this is for life, then you stop looking over and thinking the grass is greener or there's something better, and you stop being frustrated or bored with your relationship, and you decide you're going to do what it takes to make your relationship work. That's and exactly that right. is where healing so comes because so, you are designed by God to help bring healing to the other by means of maturity. That's
0: right, right. And we do that because Jesus is, again, the center of our relationship. So I was thinking about this uh, this week, and this is where we'll just kind of shut this down and close this. Um, I was thinking about what happened in the garden. Now, I think everybody, uh, if you've been around Christianity Church for any length of time, we rec- you recognize that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. You know, she ate the fruit that was forbidden because, really because Adam wasn't guarding her. He was right there with her when she did it. And both of them ate, and the Bible says that they died a spiritual death. They died. Well, I just thought about this this week, and I was actually listening to a friend of mine talk about this. And it, and it kind of made me think, this didn't happen, but what if it did this way? Okay, what if it happened this way? This didn't happen, i was to make that clear. But what if it did? What if Eve ate the fruit, but Adam was on the other side of the garden? Okay, he wasn't with her, and she ate the fruit. Probably a conversation would have happened like this. God would have went to Adam and said, hey, listen, um, I got some bad news. We got a problem. That wife that I gave you has sinned. She ate the fruit. And Adam was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. This is horrible. You know, what's gonna happen? Well, God would have said back to Adam, well, she's gonna have to die. Oh my goodness, this is horrible. I mean, is there any other? No, she's gonna have to die. Now, that didn't happen, but when you think about what did happen, Adam and Eve ate the fruit, and you think about how God created man, mankind, to be God's bride, when Adam and Eve, mankind, us, you are the bride of Christ, it's a very biblical thought that we are the bride of Christ, God, Jesus is our groomsman, he's our groom. We are are in relationship with him. What did go down was something like this. Mankind, you and me sinned. We made a mistake. And God went to his son and he started a conversation like, hey, I got some bad news. That bride that I gave you has sinned, made a mistake, and they're going to have to die. But instead of Jesus going, well, man, that's just terrible. I believe Jesus, which is exactly what happened, came back to God and said, well, I know that they have to die, but what if I die for them? What if I take their place? What if I I go down to earth and, and go to the cross for them, take upon myself what they did? Which, church, that's exactly what happened. And it's such an amazing picture of what real marriage looks like, what a relationship of covenant looks like. When we realize that we are, we are fragile, insecure, messed up people coming together. But if we'll make that commitment like Jesus did for us, that listen, I will make up the weaknesses. I'll die for you. You come to me and I'll make up the weaknesses. I'll be strong where you're weak and you can be strong where I'm weak and we can die for the sake of this relationship so we can see lives changed in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to pray for you real quick before we go. Father, thank you so much for just the opportunity to share with such wonderful people here today. Online, Father. I thank you for every person that's listening to the sound of our voice, God, and I thank you for this incredible price that Jesus has paid for us. And Father, I know there are people in this room, there are marriages in this room that right now, if we're honest, Jesus is not at the center. We are at the center. Father, I know there are people in this room that have never made a decision to give Jesus their heart, their life. There are people that are watching online right now, sitting in living rooms all across the city, all across America, all across the world, and they need a touch of your presence in their relationship. They can't do it on their own. They need some help. Jesus, you promised, because of what you did for us 2,000 years ago, that you would be involved with us. So if you're here today, every head bow,er every eye closed, you're watching online, just take a minute. Maybe you're with your spouse right now. Just take a minute, close your eyes, grab hands with each other. Just think about it. Men, lead the way today. Men, be the leader, the guide, the guard, yeah. the governor that you take, the, you, you take her hand and say, we're gonna, we're gonna follow Jesus from this point forward. <laughs> you might even know what that means, but hey, that's okay. you'll just open your heart, if you'll just open your relationship, if you'll just open your life and let him come in, God will change you forever. If you're here today and and you're not married, but you've never given Jesus your heart, your life, do it right now. Just, Just open your heart and let him in. I want to lead you. Actually, Penny, why don't you just lead us in a prayer of accepting Jesus?
1: How about everybody just say this, even those that are watching online, um, just say this together loud enough for yourself to hear it. Say, Heavenly Father, we come before you right now and we thank you for what you did by sending your son. We receive that sacrifice and God help us learn to sacrifice like you did in our relationships so we can take all of them to the next level. We invite you in to our life, and we commit to make our relationships better in Jesus' name.